The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Welcome back to The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel, and I'm here as always with Mike. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about this week's Dynamite, and then we're going to do a little preview of the Owen Hart tournaments. So, Mike, get us started. Stock up, stock down. So, Joel, let's start with the return of a hopefully COVID-free Hangman page. Um, Maybe the COVID just really got to him because he was just a dick. It's it's a night. Like, this is not a side we've seen from Hangman Page really at any point. Like, yelling at the fans, like yelling at a person wearing a CM Punk shirt saying, You're going to need to get your, get that, get a refund because I'm going to beat him so bad. Uh, Joel, it's, it's, you don't have to make an obligatory Hangman Page statement today because we're starting with it. What'd you think of this? It was different. Hey, I, I'm excited. This is the first time we have led a show with Hangman Page in a while. Um, and I think this has kind of been how his title reign has gone. Um, he's been very protected as champion in terms of like not being involved in a ton of segments, not being involved in a ton of matches. So when he does wrestle, when he is on the show, when he is doing something, particularly in front of the fans in the arena, it feels like a big deal. And for him to kind of take this more heelish posture, I thought was really interesting. Uh, I really liked this because we've seen CM Punk kind of, you know, veer a little bit into heelish territory, but he's just too over with the fans for it to really work. And so I think going into this match, when you know, like, okay, the fans really want to see CM Punk win the belt, um, even if they don't necessarily want to see Hangman Page lose the belt, they want to see CM Punk win it. And and I think having him take this tack of like, screw all of you, like this belt makes me the best wrestler in the world. I'm going to embarrass him. And I hope he does. I hope he does because <laughs> like, I think I'm probably one of the few fans who doesn't give a shit whether CM Punk ever holds another title again. Like, I don't think he needs it. It's a prop that is not necessary mm-hmm. to him. Uh, so, yeah, like, let's just put another notch on Hangman Page's resume with a win over another legend. And, you know, I, th- I think that would be perfect. Yeah, gone is the anxious millennial cowboy. We have a confident, angry millennial cowboy. This is the millennial who got a really good promotion at work and now runs a team's like, holy shit. Like I actually earned this. I deserve this. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of thought this story would go a little differently with kind of, this is what kind of leads to a, a heelish CM Punk in AEW, um, going against, you know, the beloved hangman page. But, um, you know, he, the crowd response was, I think they were confused, um, as what was going on. Um, so we'll see how it goes. I am excited because this is kind of a different path for hangman page. And I think what AW has proven to us is that they don't have to, you can have characters kind of toe the line, you know, depending on who they're facing. Um, we love Eddie Kingston. Every time CM Punk tweets, he always says, fuck Eddie Kingston. <laughs> like, um, and Eddie Kingston's like, yeah, fuck you too. Um, and these are two people that we love kind of hating each other. So I think this is possible. It's definitely a, um, an intriguing way to kick off this feud because we haven't seen them 
face to face yet because we had the announcement last week and we should have seen this coming because CM Punk gave a very, very baby face heavy mm-hmm. um, promo last week about how it doesn't matter when or where or how like I'm going to fight and I'm going to give my best and I'm going to win whatever, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, you know, he mentioned and I think in the promo too about like, you know, this isn't just like me against Punk. This is against people who have doubted me. Um, <laughs> the fans been pretty behind you for a long time, dude. Um, I, I can't really recall much. Uh, oh, Adam page can't maybe early on, like early I, I on. No, I, I don't agree with that. I, I mean, the fans in the arena have been behind him. Yes. But the meta chatter on the internet, which Ooh, I you're think breaking up bad. I have for no better idea or worse, what you just said. Blends into AEW promos a lot. Okay. okay do you, am I back or am I still shitty? Yeah, you're back. You're back. No, okay. you're back. So what I was going to say is I, I don't agree with that at all. I mean, I think the fans in the arena have been behind him, but the internet chatter for better or worse makes its way into AEW promos and storylines. And, you know, frequently since he won the belt, there have been people being like, you know, this Adam page title run has been pretty underwhelming. And there's been a lot of like, what are they doing with him? Like, why are these the matches that he's having? And other than those initial matches where he won the belt and then defended against Brian Danielson, there's been a lot of critique and I don't think it's warranted. Um, but I think it's impossible to not experience that if you're a pro wrestler on Twitter, seeing that kind of stuff going around. So I do think this is kind of a shot across the bow at the people who have been like, Hey, you're a boring champion. Um, well, it does help because his whole thing is he is a millennial. Like I'm a millennial wrestler. What are millennials super in tune with social media? Um, you know, so if you wanted to say like, Oh yeah, he can pull that in. Uh, that makes sense. So, uh, it also could be too, like, CM Punk, like he did leave for like seven years. Like I remember when I was watching WWE, I was a little upset. I'm like, this is a guy I love. And then obviously everything came out about what happened. I'm like, okay. And also I matured since 2014 too. Um, But I was like, okay, I get it now. But originally I was like, oh, he abandoned us. He left. It was that whole MJF storyline. And CM Punk really hasn't had to deal with any ramifications from wrestling fans over that like he came back the conquering hero he got put in big matches right away and no matter what he does even if he's a dick to eddie kingston he's still gonna get cheered um so you know what (laughs) i could understand being frustrated with that like hey man i'm hangman page i've been working the indies i worked ring of honor i worked japan when did hangman page really get a start like mid 2000 like 2015 2014 16 in that range so like I mean, he's been around for a while. Yeah. So, um, like, he's been working, he's been putting in the time, and, you know, to see this kind of guy come out of nowhere and just kind of be the favorite again. I don't know. I could, I could see that being a part of this story. I think one thing we know, Joel, is that this match is going to be really fun. Yeah. Like, like, just like, I can't wait to see the buckshot lariat turned into a go to sleep somehow. Because <laughs> <laughs> if anyone so, can do it, it's these two. I mean, you, you got two incredibly reliable wrestlers like i I don't think cm punk has had a bad match since coming back Uh, i don't think adam page has had a bad match in his life Um, well i wouldn't go that far but like i i can't remember watching an adam page match in AEW and not coming away from it thinking wow that was really good um Mm. and, and that's pretty solid you know we're coming up on three years yeah i would say too like kind of his redemption run 
with uh, like bl- building up to winning the championship has just mm-hmm. been amazing. Like all the stuff he's been involved with. So yeah, I, I I'm not worried about the in ring stuff. I don't honestly, you don't even really need that big of a story for this. It's CM Punk versus uh, Hangman Page, like. Mm-hmm. And CM well, Punk's and frankly, first it doesn't matter. Opportunity. It doesn't matter who's holding the belt. Like CM Punk challenging for the title is the story. Yep. Just like you know, it didn't matter who was holding the belt when Brian Danielson fought for the AEW Championship. It didn't matter because it's like, oh wow, the American Dragon is going for the championship. Yeah. That is the story in and of itself. Yeah, so. and and I think you know we have double or nothing coming up at the end of the month, but then they have the Forbidden Door. Really you know what three weeks after in june three weeks after something like that uh, double or nothing um i'm trying not to like when i'm thinking of my predictions for this card as we get closer i want to make sure i don't let the forbidden door influence me because i'm trying to think of all these matchups and if you have like okada with the njpw championship and you're like who do we want to have him face at the forbidden door from AEW? could you imagine a cm punk okada just from like the names of that match like that be fucking huge. And I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing for how they're going to book double or nothing. I don't think that, and maybe this is naive of me, but I don't think that forbidden door being on the horizon affects the day to day in AEW. Like, I don't think they're going to interrupt storylines or plans that Tony had laid out for the remainder of the summer because of what is ostensibly a one-off show. You know, it also would be I also hope that it's not just, hey, you're the you have the top men's belt. You have the top men's belt. Cool. You guys are going to fight like it would be cool. Like if you want to add to Hangman Page's angst, have Okada say, no, I want to face CM Punk regardless if he has the title. Hangman Page wins and he's like, oh, yeah, you know what? It's going to be Okada Punk anyways. Sorry, Hangman. You're still not as important. Like that's a way you could even do this, too. But, um, you know, I. I hope that it doesn't influence how the card plays out because I don't think it's time for Hangman Page to drop the belt. Um, I think there's way more stories to be told, and I still think MJF will eventually be the one to take it off him. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. We'll see. I'm excited though. This was this was a more exciting promo than CM Punk's like babyface. I'm gonna do my best. But so. yeah, I mean, I think you know, and I think it was probably hurt last week by the fact that they couldn't have. Adam Page and CM Punk do that setup together mm-hmm. uh, because we spent a week not knowing that Hangman Page was going to come out and be a dick. And that made the CM <laughs> Punk promo like really yeah. tepid. Oh, no, yeah. I'm bad. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and then when Hangman Page came out and he's like, okay, here's here's where I'm at with this. It's like, okay, now that Punk promo is a little bit more interesting. Do you think that was supposed to be one segment? Like, it would be Punk doing the babyface promo, then out comes angry dickhead Hangman Page? I think so. Um, AEW, for all of its long-term storytelling, has not exactly been patient in, like, allowing a promo to sit and not get Mm. an immediate response. And I kind of hate that, honestly. (laughs) Like, I don't need to get the immediate response from the other person. Like especially like not even within the same episode. Like I like waiting a week to, to get that next piece of it because it gives you something to anticipate. You've got to figure that there's going to be a response eventually, but not getting that right away. is like, okay, I'm getting one chapter at a time instead of getting two chapters or sometimes even three chapters when it's Mm -hmm. like, 
you're going to cut a promo, then I'm going to cut a promo, and then we're going to brawl. And it's like, okay, now it feels like we've just gotten three things all in one segment that could have been spaced out over the course of multiple weeks. I feel like this is a good time for a JR interview video from backstage. Like, have him sit down with each of them and maybe delay them another week. Like, keep the inevitable, like, face-to-face for a little closer to the card, I think could be effective. I mean, you um, can even do the face-to-face next week and then do separate sit-downs sit with JR yeah. over the next couple of weeks, you know, and that would mean the last one would be leading right into Double the pay-per-view. Um, but, you know, however you want to order that doesn't really matter. But I think that's a good roadmap to, to get to yeah. Double or Nothing, and I would be happy to see that. All right. Well, why don't we move on to our next topic? And this was the main event, the Ring of Honor women's unification match between uh, Mercedes Martinez and Joel Diana Perrazzo. Yes. Well done. Hey, I did it. <laughs> For the first time in your life, you got her first name right. First time in my life, I nailed her name right. Um, I thought this match was really great. My main issue is just the placing. We talked about it pre-show. This came right after Phoenix um, and Dante, Dante Martin. Mar- yeah. Martin. That's just not fair. <laughs> like, because those those two put on a, a masterclass in 10 minutes. And, you know, I think there was an issue of putting like we we've seen Mercedes Martinez in AW, but we wouldn't I wouldn't call her like a fixture at the top of the card. Like yeah. we don't see her every week. She's done a mm-hmm. lot of dark and elevation rampage stuff. Um, and you have Perazzo, who is, you know, if you're you would think an AEW fan would know her just through being an AEW indie type fan, but she's not a known AEW commodity. So I don't know. I feel like it's a little Mm -hmm. tough to have that be the main event with really no build. Like why other than the championship being unified, why should we care about this match? And that was kind of my main issue with it. I I think it's challenging, right? Because you have, like you said, Mercedes Martinez, who we're still kind of getting to know within AEW. And then this was Deanna Perrazzo's first appearance on AEW programming. And um, she's someone who's really well known to the true indie fans. And then I feel like she's been gaining some steam on Mm -hmm. Impact. Uh, But like she had a cup of coffee in WWE and then Impact gets what? Like 100,000 viewers a week? Like it's not very many. And so her profile is still pretty low when you think about the like mainstreamy kind of audience that goes to an AEW event. Like you've got hardcore fans there, but hardcore fans aren't also necessarily like proponents of women's wrestling. There's a lot of shitty fans out there who are like big into the indies and love pro wrestling um, and still think of women's matches as being inferior, which I think is completely unfair. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was a really good match, and there were times when the crowd started to get into it. But yeah, the the placement I think really hurt. I think it was tough that it was at the end of the night. I think it was tough mm-hmm. that it was following Phoenix and Dante Martin, and that to your point, unless you watched the uh, Supercard of Honor and have been paying attention to all of the ROH AEW crossover type stuff you're probably questioning why this match is even happening. So I, I think that's tough. Um, yeah. I, I think another thing too, and then we talked about this, every ring of honor title, like match that's taken place since Tony Khan announced he was buying the company. The belt has gone to a contracted AEW slash ring of honor star. You know, Gresham is, we know he signed with ring of honor, AEW. uh, 
Samoa Joe, uh, Yuta Wheeler, Wheeler Yuta, <laughs> Wheeler Yuta, Wheeler, Wheeler Yuta, and that um, am I am I missing one? And now yeah, Mercedes Martinez. Yes, God, I am fucking up right now. Um, so it kind of just smell, smell. Oh, they're gonna. This isn't gonna stay on Perazzo. And I FTR even texted is who you. you were missing. FTR, yeah. there we go. Yeah. yeah, and I was even. I even texted you. I'm like, I really hope Perazzo keeps this A because it mm-hmm. wouldn't follow the trend. And also, she's such an amazing talent that she could easily come over to AEW, build up, and be one of their top stars in a matter of months. Like she is really talented, mm-hmm. great character, great in the ring. Um, but you know, I would have done, you know, maybe give her a a vignette last week explaining who she is, like show us some highlights of her matches and like, I don't know, anything I think would have helped make, make this better. It just kind of felt like, Hey, we have to get the belt off of Perazzo and it's a title match. So it should be a big deal. Let's put in the main event. Well, I think it's tough because like in the wake of ROH falling apart, right? Roxy was the ROH women's champion. She is now with WWE. So the title had to get off of her mm-hmm. before she went to WWE, which is how Perazzo got it in the first place. Yep. And then it's like, okay, Perazzo, I believe is signed with impact. So I don't know if she could have signed to, to be in ring of honor, AEW moving forward. So I think their hands were kind of tied here and it's unfortunate the way that it played out. And I'm hoping that now that, uh, you know, they have the belt on Mercedes Martinez. It's official. You know, she can have a nice little title run. She's a great person to be the first champion given her incredibly long track record and experience. She's so well-respected. But I, I think this is kind of, forecasting that Perazzo is not either isn't in the long-term plan or isn't able to be in the long-term plan. Yeah. She uh, signed a new ROH AEW kind of setup. Yeah. She signed a new deal with impact back in 2020. And typically we see these deals to be about two, three years. So maybe down the line, like I wouldn't be surprised if she crosses over to AEW ring of honor full time at some point. Um, but who knows, man, forbidden door, things are weird. You know, we had Morrissey yeah. on this week, so, mm-hmm. you know, um, I think it's also tough, right? Because like for someone like Deanna Perrazzo, there's a lot more opportunity to have great matches in impact than there is mm-hmm. in, in AEW. Like I, I love AEW. I love the talent in the women's division, but the women's division in AEW is not on the same level as the knockouts division. It's just not. Uh, and I think that's why we haven't seen some of the other talent that are available make their way to AEW. Like if you are a woman and you want to be in, in top caliber matches, the places to be are WWE and impact at the moment. And until Mm -hmm. that changes, which is going to take changes at the upper levels in AEW, then we're going to continue to see this. And the women's division is going to be an afterthought. And I, I don't like that, but It is what it, it also, is. It also might have to take money whipping someone like a big star to come over, you know, like money Except, talks to like you. You've got someone who at the moment is like a massive star in Jade Cargill. And, and that's not enough to get the women's division the, the respect that and time that it deserves. Like there's a difference in how men's and women's matches are presented in AEW. And if you want the fans to treat it like a big deal, then you have to treat it like a big deal. And the women's division is not treated like a big deal in AEW. We've kind of tiptoed around it for a long time 
and tried to be positive, but like, I'm fucking tired, man. Like they need to do a better job with the women's division. And it starts with presenting them like it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And that's what kind of bleed into our, our next conversation, which is the Owen tournament. And I'm hoping that because it's not just a men's tournament, it's a men's and women's tournament that hopefully once the tournament starts, uh, they will be presented in similar fashions. I did notice, though, the qualifying matches, all the women qualifying matches are significantly shorter than the men's qualifying matches. Um, so I do hope that changes. But the thing is, we have going to have eight eight people each side of this tournament bracket. Sorry, on, in each tournament. And I uh, just wanted to kind of go into it and kind of talk about kind of the first round matchups, who we want to win. Um, so Joel... I had it pulled up and I apparently lost it. So <laughs> give me give me one second um, because there actually is a Wikipedia page for the Owen Cup. So uh, Joel, let's let's start with the women's bracket first. Um, we've kind of gotten some stories kind of building out of this in a little bit. So we have Tony Storm and Jamie Hader in the first round. Um, they have history, and I've liked that AEW has recognize that they've been in this kind of mini feud with Britt Baker and now with Ruby Soho. Uh, then we have Hikaru Shida, Red Velvet, uh, Ruby Soho, Dr. Britt Baker, and then Riho versus a question mark for now. We don't know who that final competitor is. Um, Joel, from the women's side of the tournament, who do you think, I'm going to say, who do you want to win? And who do you think needs to win? Like, who does it help more? So I, I think it's tough. There's a lot of people that could stand to be elevated. Um, and I think I have two names that immediately pop out and it, it's pretty plain and obvious, but it's Tony Storm and Ruby Soho. Like Ruby Soho is a great wrestler, incredibly well-respected, great locker room presence, veteran, incredibly talented, and has barely been featured on TV since the first few weeks after her signing. And at the time, you know, we talked about this signing, like it was one of the biggest signings in company history in terms Boy, of the were women's we division. <laughs> and it has not been treated that way. See previous bullet point. Um, and then Tony storm is someone who's legitimately a world-class women's wrestler and, you know, could anchor this division. So one of the two of them needs to win this because otherwise, like, what are we doing here? But I think mm-hmm. Ruby Soho is the one that I'm going to home in on because she's been around longer. And if you're, you know, on the kind of bullshit of she had to come in, get the lay of the land, pay her dues, whatever, like that's got to be done at this point. We we can't continue with not having that out of the way. And like, I want to see her in big high profile spots because mm-hmm. she's incredibly talented. Uh I either want her to win it or lose in the first round. I can't have another Ruby Soho gets all the way to the finals and then loses. Like yeah. she already did that in the TBS uh, tournament. She's she lost to Brit in her like she won the Battle Royal, then lost her first title match. Like she hasn't won. And like we you know we talk about not every wrestler needs to win every match they're in, but like when you sign Ruby Soho and you make a big deal out of it, she gets you know real music from a real band and she gets this awesome presentation. Then she doesn't do like win shit. 
it's 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 a problem. It, it's what we talked about earlier. It could be a reason other women stars haven't come over. You know, like hey, this person came over was a big deal, and then nothing happened with it. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, so like I said, either she needs to win it or she needs to go out in the first round, and maybe that causes her to snap, brings a heel. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm in the same boat as you. It's a Tony Storm, uh, Ruby Soho for me, but I, I really think. Tony Storm is what we thought Ruby Soho could be. Um, I don't know. I always felt Tony Storm had a higher ceiling than Soho, even in the old company. Um, and I just feel like Storm is someone that they could really get behind and push to the moon. Um, we don't even know if there's kind of like a prize for winning this thing other than the cup. Like, I don't think they've said, oh, you get a championship match out of this. or Oh, this or that. It might just be you're the winner. Good job. Um, and you carry around the cup for a while. So I, I think who I want to win is Tony Storm and who I think it would help the most would be Ruby Soho. But I still think it's going to be Storm. And my hope for Sheeta, Red Velvet, Riho is that they get to just put on great matches in this tournament, even if they're not going to win it. Like, you know, if Sheeta beats Red Velvet and we get Tony Storm, Hukaru Sheeta in the second round of the Owen, like give that match 20 minutes and stand back because that's going to be super fucking fun. So I think there's a chance that Red Velvet makes a little mini run here um, or potentially like goes all the way to the to the final match because of her recent like alliance profile boost through the the creation of the baddies section as a faction, which a I think is fantastic. Yeah, it's cool. Absolutely love it. And like those three together that's going to benefit all of them because Kira Hogan and Red Velvet are going to benefit from Jade's star power. Mm-hmm. Red Velvet is probably at this point, the most complete in-ring performer out of the three of them. And Kira Hogan yeah. has more experience than the other two. So they complement each other really well. And I, I think they're, they all stand to benefit from this group being formed. So I could see Red Velvet like going on a bit of a tear here uh, but given that she's kind of a secondary member of the group, I could also see her dropping out in the first round. So mm-hmm. uh, it's possible, but she's kind of the dark horse pick to go far if uh, if you want. Yep. So why don't we move on to the men's side here? Um, give this a breakdown. So in the first round, we have Samoa Joe versus the Joker. You never want to be against a Joker. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's just, it's never, it's not going to end well, but let's keep going. Ray Phoenix, and I don't know if these are necessarily the matches. Match, no, these are the matchups. These are the matchups. Yeah. Ray Phoenix versus Kyle O'Reilly. Uh, Adam Cole versus Dax Harwood. And then Darby Allen versus Jeff Hardy. Um, so same kind of question here. And if you want, I can start this go around. Um, I really want Dax Harwood to win this thing. <laughs> like, like, I don't know if it does really anything to help him in his career because we all love FTR. We all know how good of a wrestler Dax Harwood is. and we. He's probably not splintering off and starting a singles run out of this. But if we're talking about the momentum, like all the momentum these wrestlers have going into this, I don't think there's anyone who has more than Dax Harwood. And because of his like flirtations and 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 references to the Hart family and the way that they wrestle, the style that um, him and um, Cash Wheeler uh, promote, it just seems like a real natural fit. Um, so I think he is my choice of who I think I want to win it, but from a, and I, I really don't know who it would help. Maybe Adam Cole, 
because he's lost a lot. You know, he lost his two championship matches. They're really trying to set him up as a big deal as kind of the new leader of the undisputed elite, you know, like it's not the bucks running things. It's not red dragon running things. It's not Kenny Omega. It's Adam Cole. And if you want to kind of lead to this eventual civil war that we think is going to happen when Kenny Omega comes back, giving a guy like Adam Cole, the fucking Owen, uh, would be a great way to kind of kick that off. Just let the ego go to his head and him saying, I beat the best that they off there is in this company. I beat eight other men. And then boom, Kenny Omega's like <laughs> bullshit. Um, so Joel, what, what are your thoughts on the tournament here? I mean, I think it's tough, right? Because on this side of things, like we're not starving for new male stars within the company so i don't think that the who does it help really factors in here i do think you're correct that adam cole in a kayfabe perspective probably needs it the most um i I guess if you wanted to like try to establish somebody as being a big deal out of this kylo riley is someone who Mm -hmm. if he were to win it would be elevated by that um, forget I forget how be... good of a singles wrestler he is. Oh man, he's so freaking good. <laughs> like, he is like, so freaking every, good. Every time he has a singles match, I'm like, God damn. <laughs> like, I, I don't really rewatch matches. It's not a thing that I do. But a, a couple of times back when I still had the network, I went back and rewatched Kyle O'Reilly versus Alistair Black because mm-hmm. that match was just ridiculous. Uh, and those two have such great chemistry in the ring i hope that we get that again soon because i would love to see those two square off um but i think the person who i most would like to see when it is a triumphant returning ray phoenix like he has been on a tear in the handful of matches that he's had since coming back really spots that he's had since coming back mm-hmm. and every time he's in the ring particularly in singles matches you're just reminded of how tremendous he is, the seemingly limitless athleticism that he possesses. And I think if he went all the way to the end, every single match he was in would be sensational. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I I guess the the other piece is like, whoever this Joker is, if they really wanted to put someone in that spot and set them up to succeed, having them get a win over Samoa Joe would potentially entitle them to a ROH TV title match. And, you know, then you go from there with them going on a big run in this tournament and establishing somebody as being a big deal. But I don't necessarily know who that would be. And I don't have someone in mind off the top of my head. Uh, I feel like. Ah, man, it's tough because I, I I feel like the eventual double or nothing match for Samoa Joe is against Jay Lethal um, for the ROH TV title. Like that seems like a natural story to tell here. Um so I think the reason he, Samoa Joe is paired up against the Joker is because they're planning on Samoa Joe losing in the first round. Yeah. Either through, wow, this is an amazing wrestler who just came back and put on a great match, or it's a shit heel and somehow Jay Lethal gets involved and that's how Samoa Joe loses. You know, something like that to set up that match. So one person a lot of I could options. see being in that spot based off of recent television happenings is Swerve. Because he mm-hmm. kind of got screwed out of his spot. Um, yeah. And... I would have liked to see like a, a battle royal second chance. You know how sometimes they do that in WWE? That would be cool. Yeah. Like, hey, everyone who lost in the qualifiers, here you go. You get one shot 
if you win this, you're in. Because I remember, we did not want Darby Allen to win. <laughs> like, we wanted Swerve in this tournament. Um, and I think that would just be absolutely amazing because Swerve is great. And Swerve and Samoa Joe would be an awesome match. And, like, I think Phoenix is, you put Phoenix with anyone in the tournament and they have the, like, five-star potential for a match because Phoenix is so good. I think you put Swerve in any match with any of the competitors, you kind of get the same thing. Like this is just yeah, going to be completely wild. different flavor, but yeah, I mean, he does mm-hmm. not have bad matches. He just doesn't. Yeah. Someone that I, I'm not really happy is in this tournament is Jeff Hardy. Um, nothing against Jeff, but man, he looks slow and he's not getting like a full road. Like his, his, uh, Swanton or Senton, whatever you call it looks stiffer because he doesn't look like he's getting like enough of a rotation yeah (laughs) i saw someone post recently that jeff hardy hitting the swanton these days looks like a 40 pound bag of fertilizer falling off the top shelf in home depot yeah yeah like like the way that it just kind of flops over Mm -hmm. and you know it allegedly the way he's doing it now is safer like if that's the case cool yeah, I, I don't know <laughs> enough about like taking that bump to know, but apparently like the way he's done it throughout his career has been about protecting the person who's on the receiving end. And now he's doing it in a way that protects himself. I mean, um, he smushed the shit out of Bobby Fish. That <laughs> like, looked so <laughs> painful. So painful. Like, like, like he legit smushed him. Um, so, oh, so hang on. So I, I just have to talk about this for a moment because I don't understand like, how did this whole like Bobby Fish is hundreds of years old thing? Like, where did that even come from? Like, I saw stuff on Twitter that was like, you know, Jeff Hardy at age 47 is facing off with with Bobby Fish, uh, who, as we all know, is 2022 years old, uh, making this the oldest combined age of any two competitors in a wrestling match. I have um, I have no idea where that came from, but I'm here for it. We love exaggerated numbers on this podcast, Joel. Yeah, <laughs> there, there was another one that was like, uh, this is this match is like so and so and so many years into Jeff Hardy's career, um, whereas Bobby Fish's career started in 1904. Like, I don't I don't understand where this comes from. Um, and I think it's kind of rude, um, yeah. especially considering like how good Bobby Fish is. But anyway, we can move on. Well, uh, one last thing. If you had to guess who the male Joker is. Uh, if, or in your perfect world, who would it be? I mean, I think I already kind of said like swerve is is who I would like to see because like, I want him to be in this tournament. Mm -hmm. Um, if you're asking for like, who's a, a a dream wrestler that I would like to see in this spot, um, Jonathan Gresham. Yeah, that'd be good. Uh, I, I got, I got two for you and these are kind of one, like makes sense. The other is a little uh miro a returning miro oh yeah that'd be good. uh would be awesome because also just seeing samoa joe and miro in the first round would be wild like i don't know who would just explode first from punches uh and then two uh a man who just quietly walked away from the other wrestling company a few months ago cesaro uh yeah i've heard the like the claudio speculation um, now that you bring those two up, I'm actually going to throw out another person who I think would be really interesting to see would be a returning Kip Sabian. Oh, oh, yeah. This would be a great spot for him. It would be. It would Especially be. Especially because he, we know he's coming back as a heel. 
the way that he's been like acting on social media and mm-hmm. like I think he could come back as a, a very meta anti AEW heel. Uh, and I think that would be interesting to see. Um, and uh, supposedly he's like jacked. Oh yeah. So, no, I, you told me that the other day and I looked up his Instagram I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Kip. <laughs> yeah. Re- so rehab has been good for you, my friend. Yeah. So I am, I am interested in, in seeing him return. He's someone who I was really, really high on coming into the start of the company. And I feel like he, every time he's gotten a little bit of momentum going, there's been either an injury or something has, has, you know, showed up and took everything over. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, Joel, anything else? I think we're going to kind of forego lightning round, unless you have anything specific from this week that you want to talk about. I wanted to throw out some like outside of the ring news and and see if you've heard about and if you have any thoughts about this um, promotion that Freddie Prince Jr. is trying to start. (laughs) I've heard about it. Um, I don't know much about it, but hey, man, go for it, Freddie. (laughs) I I just find it really interesting because like obviously he was a writer for WWE for a long time. He's Mm -hmm. been a huge fan of pro wrestling forever. Um, and like his whole, like list of things about the, uh, promotion and what he wants to do with like giving men and women equal time, uh, on whatever programming they do, uh, that he wants to own the venue that they're like going to run the show out of, which I do think like there is something to, like I think about full sale. I think about the crowd for Lucha underground shows. I think about PWG. Uh, the, the impact zone, the old impact, the impact zone. zone. Like there is something to be said for filming in the same place, drawing in the same crowd of people and the yeah. fandom that builds around that because it creates a really cool environment. Uh, I think there's a lot of opportunity there because there is so much talent in pro wrestling right now. Everybody cannot go to AEW. They just can't. And frankly, we don't want them to. Mm-hmm. There are some really talented people whose contracts are going to expire and AEW is not going to renew them. WWE is going to continue to release and cut talent. And there's just so much. And him being a big name, like an actual, dare I say, A-list celebrity being is behind he it anymore. I mean, maybe I mean, not anymore, but I think the name recognition, he's got alone, name recognition. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I just think it could be really Scooby interesting. <laughs> you know, we got Fred. <laughs> I do, though. I, th- I think it could be really interesting. And I- I'm very curious to see what comes out of it. Uh, and he's doing a lot of work to get people excited for the eventuality of this show. I, I think for me, it's hard to beat like the second and third season of Lucha Underground for mm-hmm. like pro wrestling product. I think it was a pretty freaking flawless um, presentation. And I think doing something like that where you lean into, you know, wrestling as a television show, um, not in the way that WWE does, where they're kind of like bullshit, like fence sitting, but mm -hmm. like going full on. Yeah, full on into a fictionalized, um, scripted, episodic show that has seasons, I think is really Mm -hmm. interesting. And I'm really curious to see what comes out of this. I think a few things after hearing you talk and just kind of looking at what Freddie has going on. I think, I think Tony Khan kind of proved that like the wrestling fanboy with enough money, <laughs> he can make something work. Um, you know, but that's the key difference. Freddie Prince jr. Isn't a billionaire. 
um, you know, Tony Khan and the cons are. So I do think that could be an issue, but I don't think he's striving for the same thing. Like, I think Tony Khan was like, I want to get a national TV show. Mm-hmm. You know, if Freddie Prince is looking at kind of focusing on a niche, like exactly. Can you said like in that Lucha underground mm-hmm. zone? Cause it really isn't anything like that no. now anywhere. Um, and if you said, Hey, we're due 15 episodes per season, you know, a, reduces the amount of you know you can film that in like a week if you really wanted to you know like film that whole that whole thing in a week um lowers the costs there's so many streaming services out there that would take it hell at the point when AEW gets one like you could, could see a scenario where AEW starts promoting you know non-AEW ring of honor owned companies on their network mm-hmm. stuff like that um so i, I think i think more money in wrestling more names like like you said a-list quote unquote but more a-list names in wrestling is a good thing um so i I think another thing that i think about with this is if it's not an every week year-round show i'm way more likely to watch it yeah i do not have the time like i tried i tried recently with impact to like start watching another show on a weekly mm -hmm. basis and i couldn't do it like i I just don't start to finish if you like, because you know, I, I can I can binge watch a season of Breaking Bad in like two or three days, but it's also like, hey man, this ends at fifty five episodes. If you tell me, hey, this is a ten episode, forty five minute wrestling show where the stories like develops each episode and ends in a finale that leaves you, oh my god, like that's different than. Because like you said, the commitment of watching a new wrestling promotion every single week with no end in sight. Uh-huh. We love AEW, and there's some weeks when we're like, ugh, we have to record. <laughs> like, or like, oh, I don't think I really want to watch tonight. I think I'll just watch it tomorrow. So um, yeah. And one thing about Freddie Prince Jr. is I know that he's for uh wrestlers being unionized. He's yeah. made comments about this mm-hmm. in the past about how wrestlers should be union. Um, and I think that alone would mean he would treat his wrestlers better. Yeah. And then, the, the whole like want to do SAG after, um, for the, the show, I, I think is a really compelling piece of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. See how it goes. I'll, I'll support it. Um, but more wrestling, the better, like I'm a GCW show is going to be in Providence next month. And I'm going to drive down and, and check it out. Cause we don't get a lot of indie shows up here. So. I hope you make it. I've been to GCW show. It was fucking wild. I almost saw someone die. <laughs> like not even a joke. So like the, the main <laughs> deterrent for me to going to a GCW show is not the wrestling in the ring. It's the fans in attendance. Like it's well, so not like the people one, I want to be around. Like the one I went to in Chicago was in a really big warehouse. So me and my buddy were able to like a see the ring, but also like stand by ourselves basically yeah. because it was such a big space. So I'm kind of hoping that it's a similar cause it, like just general admission, just show up and stand there, sit wherever you want. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, but this is also like my old roommate, Michelle, she'll go to wrestling with me. I've had friends like, Oh, I'll go check out a show. Guess what? I'm not inviting them to a GCW show. (laughs) GCW is not for the faint of heart. No, no. It might not even be for me. I don't know. (laughs) Like that. I think I've determined that that it's not for me. Uh, And that's not to denigrate it. Like, all mm-hmm. respect to it. I think it's a great product. It's just not the flavor that I'm into. Um, and, and that's fine. Yeah. I want to, I want to check it out just to see like 
because that one in Chicago is also like right before the first AW uh, all out that I went to. So like, I kind of just want to see like, Hey, how, has it changed anything since 2019? And you like, is this something that I could potentially see myself watching? But I also just like going to indie shows. And like I said, not a lot of the bigger indie companies come up to Massachusetts. We get a lot of local ones that are fine. But like since Ring of Honor ended, Ring of Honor used to come up to Lowell like three times a year, which was sick. Um, probably from like 2017 to 2019, I went to like five or six Ring of Honor shows at the Lowell Memorial Auditorium. And I just missed that. And Joel, I know we said this was going to be a short episode, but guess what? 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? It, it's it's fine. I think we had fun things to talk about. I don't think we were stretching to get, get to this. So. No, not at all. Not at all. That being said, get us the hell out of here. All right, guys. You can give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram at The Other Wrestling Show, at Twitter at OWS underscore pod or The Other Wrestling Show. You can find it. Uh, you can get us wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts. We're there. Please give us a follow. You can email us at show at gmail.com. And Joel, anything to say before I go see the Boston Red Sox lose yet again at Fenway Park? Join the Dark Order. Join the Dark Order. The Red Sox should join the Dark Order. Maybe it would help. Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling. Woo! <sighs>